This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Just keep going. Even if you hate it, even if you're not sure if it's working, continue to write your budget, track your income and expenses, and face the truth. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to deal with large amounts of debt. For some people, their pile of debt can feel so huge that paying it off just feels like fiction. It feels impossible. It feels overwhelming. Well, today I've invited someone on the show who felt the exact same way, but then she took action and won the battle against her debt. Allison Baggerly is our guest today. She and her husband partnered together to pay off $111,000 of debt in four and a half years, and she's going to share with us today how she did it. Allison is the master budgeter behind Inspired Budget, a website dedicated to helping people all over the world get started with budgeting when they feel lost or overwhelmed. Hmm, makes sense. Her inspiring story of debt freedom has been featured in Nerd Wallet and multiple, multiple five-star rated podcasts, and I'm thrilled to speak with her today. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here, Andy. Excellent. So, Allison, where did this $111,000 of debt come from? Um, So it was a mixture of mostly student loans and car loans. Um, My husband and I totaled up our debt. We had actually paid off some credit cards before we totaled it up. So it's actually more than $111,000. But uh, that's kind of like the number that we fall on for that. So, yeah, it was, man, it was those student loans. They killed us. Oh, yeah. So car loans, student loans, things like that. Okay. So Mm -hmm. what what kind of, uh, you know, you hear that number, $111,000 in four and a half years, you know, uh, you think, okay, man, these guys must be killing it, you know, bringing in a ton of money to do this. To What kind of what kind of line of work are you guys in? Yeah, uh, I wish we were killing it and bringing in a ton of money, <laughs> but that's not the case. We're both teachers. I'm a fifth grade math teacher and my husband is a band director. So we're two public school teachers in Texas, um, which I think, you know, is really relatable because we don't make a fortune. You know, we're not making $200,000 a year or anywhere near that. And, um, that's just always been what we've known, that Absolutely. income. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let, let's go through this because this is an inspiring story that will hopefully help some people in a similar situation. So at what point did you say, okay, we got uh, a boatload of debt. Uh, I've had enough of this. We got to get rid of this. Wh- and what, what caused you to take that action? What was that moment? Yeah. So I wish that I could say that, you know, we sat down and we journaled and we went on this self-reflective journey where we decided to better ourselves. Um, but that would be a lie. That's not what happened. (laughs) Instead. Um, we actually got pregnant on our honeymoon unexpectedly came home, realized that we were pregnant and we said, Oh snap, how on earth do we do this? How do we grow up, become adults, and actually pay for daycare. And we sat down and realized that daycare was going to cost us anywhere between seven and $800 a month. And we didn't have seven or $800 a month on two teacher salaries left over. It just wasn't there. And that's when we realized, um, 
we have to bring another human into this world and be responsible. And at that moment is when I said, okay, you know, something's got to change. We need to do whatever it takes to make this change. And that's where it just kind of started and it grew from there. That's incredible. Okay. So you made the change. You said, all right, we're, we're going to bring a human into this world. We got to, we got to, we got to, we got to strap down here a little bit. So what was the first step that you guys took to start eliminating this debt? So, well, first we figured out exactly how much we had. We had never even totaled it up. We had never, it was almost like it was separated. We had just gotten married. And so I don't even think I knew how much I, how much debt I had. And I don't think he knew how much he had. And then we had never added it up together. So that was our first step. And it was very eye opening and awakening. And I remember thinking, is this normal? Is it normal? You know, and I was like, is it? Because people don't talk about it, you know, especially seven, eight years ago, it wasn't talked about. And so first step was just totaling it up. And then it was um, tracking our expenses and trying to write a budget for the very first time. Excellent. Which did not go over well. (laughs) So you started to talk about the the combination of the debt. So whose Mm -hmm. debt was whose? And how did that that conversations go when you guys got married where you're like, okay, this is mine now. How how did that all go? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that... Can I be honest? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. That is just who I am. There were no, really no conversations before we got married, which, um, you know, is, which I wish had been different. However, when we first totaled it up, it was so many different student loans, so many of them that I don't think we saw it as his debt versus my debt. Um, at the end of our debt payoff, it was a lot of his student loans because those were the largest amounts. But by that time we had been on this journey for so long that it wasn't ever looked at as like, Oh, this is your student loans that we're paying off. You know what I mean? So it kind of just, we lumped it all together tackled it all together and tried to have from the very beginning, this mindset of like, this is ours because both of us are, you know, bringing in all of this baggage into the, into the marriage in terms of debt. That's a great way to do it. I love it. So, so what were the actions you, you guys had to, you know, spend less or increase the income? What went first? Did you guys reduce your expenses? Right. So first we reduced our expenses. Um, it really helped that I was extremely sick from being pregnant. Um, so like I didn't want to go out. We didn't go out, you know, our, our lifestyle completely shifted. Um, you know, just our priorities changed. And so we were spending less money on going out and doing, I guess you could say fun things and more time at home. Um, we actually, at the very beginning, we took a huge pay cut and I, I don't think I've ever actually told anyone this mm-hmm. is that right before we got um, pregnant and married, we actually moved to a smaller school district and we took about a twenty thousand dollar pay cut. Wow! So that was a yeah. So that was a big shock because I was, was like, this was after you guys said, "Hey, we're paying off this debt." Well, so before we got married, mm-hmm. I've never told anyone this. Before we got married, we moved school districts. And we took to a smaller school district and we took about a $20,000 combined pay cut. Mm. And then we got married and then we had, we found out we were pregnant and I was like, we made a mistake. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what did we decide to do? How are we going to do this when we make so much less? Mm -hmm. Um, But by that time, you know, we were committed to staying where we were and it was all about budgeting and spending less than what we made. You had asked, did we increase our income? We did at a time um, in the middle of our debt journey, but we also did small things 
to help increase our income and bring in some extra money throughout our journey. Can you share some of those uh, things that you did to reduce the expenses? And then we'll talk about the income side. So what what were some of the things you guys did to, to buckle down? Um, so we have this thing called a kitchen that we never used. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, first off it was, it was all about, you know, for us, it was food. It was those variable expenses. Yeah. So the entertainment and, and the food, it sounds like. And the food, the entertainment, Mm -hmm. the food, um, we cut gym memberships. In fact, we actually had a gym membership that we were paying for, for over a year that we didn't actually know we still had. It was coming. I mean, it's so sad to think about it now and silly, but we were being charged $60 a month for a membership that we weren't using, nor did we know we had. It was just coming out and we were just unaware. It was just that complete, um, just lack of, of being aware of your finances. So we cut out a lot of our eating out. We still went out to eat every now and then. We started cooking meals at home. We stopped, um, shopping frivolously. I had to, I had to learn to, battle a completely unhealthy relationship I had with Target. Um, (laughs) And, and we were very um, mindful of what we were spending our money on. And we were weighing it against the pros and the cons of, you know, saving money to have a baby, Mm -hmm. and then making sure we had that $800 extra cash flow in our budget. So that way, when the baby came, we said, Okay, well, that's for daycare. So that was the big goal right away. Like, how do we make this $800 payment each month in order for us to do this? So, so you, you mentioned something really important there. You know, Obviously, some of these things don't sound like a lot of fun, like going out less or, you know, uh, not eating out as much. But one of the important things you said there is just like you just analyzed what you were spending and you found money that was being, you know, essentially wasted. Like people can do this if you look at your budget and analyze it and say, wow, you know, we've got this subscription to whatever X, you know, Amazon Prime or whatever, and we don't need it or we don't use it like that's just free money you can get back. You know how much harder it is to make a thousand dollars a month than it is to eliminate, you know, well, maybe that's a little bit much, maybe a couple hundred dollars a month than it is to, right. uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, so it's a good point is what I'm saying. So on the increasing of the income side, you said that there were some small things that you were able to do. Was that at work? Was it through some side hustles? How were you able to do that? So we are both salary employees, so we couldn't do that, but I would tutor Um, during the summer, I would tutor students that needed help. I charged $50 an hour, which is a little steep, but I mean, you know, I did a good job. And so I was confident in my, my abilities. Um, my husband is a band director and he actually has a bus driver's license. And so he would drive the buses for football games and things like that. And he would make about a hundred dollars extra per weekend. So that money during those busy seasons was specifically set aside for extra debt payments. Um, I've taught summer school. He's taught summer school. I did like some, I dabbled in some photography on the side back several years ago. So just kind of taking our skills and our talents that are come naturally to us and then saying, okay, how can I take this and turn it around and help someone else, but then also receive an income or payment for it. I think that is great. That is so cool. You guys found all these little things that already almost fit into your either lifestyle or your skill set. And you found a way to make money from them. That is a that is a major takeaway from this conversation. Thank you for sharing that. So no problem. Let's talk about how, how it started to pay down then. So you you made enough money to cover the daycare eventually, hopefully, right? Yes. And then what was the debts that you paid off uh, first? What was your first debt that you paid off? Um, the first debt was like some smaller student loans, just 
that were some smaller student loans. Actually, um, one of the most exciting debts I paid off was a student loan that wasn't, it wasn't super big, but it was one that I had to send a check in every month. You know, a lot of them, you pay them online. And I sent in a letter with my check with my last payment. And I said, see you later, Frost Bank. I'm, you know, I'm done with you. (laughs) And I got a handwritten letter back that said, congratulations, Allison. And it was, it was so cool. Um, But, you know, a lot of them were smaller student loans. And then there was a a car loan that was, you know, thrown in there. And then we were left, I think whenever our last payment, it was like a $45,000 student loan. That was just one huge, massive loan that we had to pay off. Wow. And then like that day when you guys were were done with all this, did you guys celebrate? Um, (laughs) tell, Tell me about that day. Well, (laughs) that's a really good question. Um, my youngest son had just had to, he, so our debt payoff, we thought we would be debt free about five months sooner, five to six months sooner than we were. Um, my husband's transmission in his car went out. So we, we drained our savings to fix that. And then my youngest son needed an unexpected surgery. (laughs) So everything got pushed back by about five months. And after the surgery happened, we took about two months and We had like no money. We had barely any money in savings and we were sitting on the sofa and I said, what if we just take the last like $2,000 in our savings and just drain it down to $0 and we just paid off our debt. And my husband was like, well, we won't have any money in savings. And I was like, I know, but I'm so ready for this to happen. Like, please, please, can we do this? And he was like, let's do it. So we drained our savings, paid off our debt, took a picture uh, to celebrate. We went out to ice cream and then we realized we were dirt poor. We had like no money in savings. And then I think like a week later, we got hit with more unexpected hospital bills. Oh, it was awful. So for about two months after we were debt free, we got hit with all of these. We thought we were done with all of our medical bills and we just kept getting hit with, you know, this doctor who was in the surgery room and then the, all these people kept billing us and we felt like, did we make a mistake by draining our savings? But we were able to figure it out. We were able to cash flow it by that time we had the habits in place. But, um, it was emotional because we were very excited. And then within days, um, we were like, Oh my gosh, we are having more of these bills coming in did we do the right thing? What an emotional um, roller coaster, man. Yes. You, you know, the, the, the cool thing that I hear you talking about too is, is your husband, it's not just Allison, uh, you know, budget lady here. It's like <laughs> your husband's along, not only along for the ride supporting you, but he's do, doing the bus route, you know, doing extra <laughs> things. So this was a true partnership between you two. It sounds like. It definitely was. And I think part of that is, one one thing, uh, definitely a blessing in this, is that we don't know our marriage without this journey. Hmm. You know, I think that if we had spent five years being married and then we decided to tackle this journey, our we would have had to shift our entire marriage. But we don't know our marriage without budgeting. It does not exist without that. And so I think that it's just become so natural that from day one, we were on this together. And so it made it easier throughout the journey to stay, stay on track with each other and hold each other accountable. And so I think that, you know, that's definitely something that was in our favor. And I know that's not something that everybody has, you know, some people are married for 10 or 15 years and then they decide, Oh my gosh, we need to change. Well, then you have all these habits, 
from 10 or 15 years of marriage. And that's hard to break those habits and shift and change how you've been doing things for so long. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're in a, like you said, you're in a marriage for 10 to 15 years. You get used to the habits that you have and it's, it's tough to change them, but it's like a muscle, right? Or it's like an exercise. You, if you want to run a marathon, you got to start with running the first block, right? I mean, you got to build up and start to make some change. So let's talk about one of those habits that is a very influential one in your life. And I also really enjoy it. I'm a big budget fan too. So oh, I said it already. So <laughs> budgeting. So obviously, we're gonna talk. I love it, man. You, I mean, if you've listened to the show, guys, you know how you know I'm a budgeting geek. So, so for the people out there who have not jumped on the bandwagon of the budget, why should people consider budgeting? Oh my gosh. I love budgeting. I'm like a, like to the point where it's just makes me weird. Um, and I'm okay. That's what we do people. We bring the weird people on the show. That's right. That's right. The weirder, the better. Um, you know, budgeting is, I feel like so many people have this negative view of budgeting because they think if I have to budget, then something else or someone else is telling me what I can and cannot do. But budgeting is not that at all. In fact, budgeting is actually you finally taking control of your money and you get to own it and say where it goes. It doesn't mean that you don't get to do things. It means that you get to do things and you are the one who chooses what you do and what you don't do with your money. I love it. it. It's, it's, it's that it's, it's not the lack, right? It's the freedom. It's allowing you to have that freedom. That's why I love it so much. So is there a, is there a certain, uh, system that you guys use like a FinTech tool or do you go old school on the pad and paper or Excel? What, what do you like to do? Um, I'm old school. I actually have like my own budget templates and printables that actually offer to people and sell to people. Um, but I am old school and I like to print it out and I get my, I, I, something weird about me is like, I love mechanical pencils. Last year I had 48 mechanical pencils in my Christmas stocking (laughs) and I sit there with my mechanical pencils and my coffee and I, with my calculator and I just budget out everything. And I try to really think through every single expense that we're going to have from one payday to the next. And, um, I like to see it and it literally is hung up on our refrigerator. And I know some people might think that's weird, but when we have guests over, we, we flip it over, we move it to the side of the refrigerator, but it's hung up there. So that way we can go back and we can see it. And, um, I think that one of the biggest things is, you know, we don't live by our budget 100% all the time. It's, we're not perfect human beings whatsoever, nor are we perfect budgeters, even though we've been doing this for years. And so there are times when I, halfway through the month, make a mini budget and I redo our budget and we put that one up on the refrigerator. That makes sense. Hey, you gotta, you gotta improvise when, uh, when the month is going through, that's cool. So do you guys, so you and your husband, obviously you said your husband's into this and he works very hard with you. Do you guys get together at a certain point in the month and plan it out? Do you get together periodically? How much is too much? What is, what's your plan for that? So we used to, when we first started, we would sit down together and we would budget together. And it was like, um, you know, sit down at the kitchen table during dinner with our pencil and you know my mechanical pencils and our budget. And we would talk about it. It got to the point where we didn't need to do that after several years. But I love budgeting, I would say, 10 times the amount he loves it. Um, <laughs> And and he enjoys it. So that says something. So what happens now is that I make a budget and then 
we have a, like a budget meeting where we sit down together after the kids go to bed or sometimes just in front of them. And he looks it over and we kind of discuss, we look at our calendars to make sure there's nothing I'm missing, no expenses, no activities coming up. And we decide together, um, you know, if it looks good, or we make any changes as needed. That's cool. You know, sometimes I get a little overexcited about financial goals in my life. And I, I'm, I kind of take your position, Allison, where I'm maybe crafting the budget and being the leader in the relationship between me and Nicole. But sometimes I get a little bit, uh, you know, overexcited about these financial goals. So maybe I'll I'll increase the Roth IRA contribution or our savings for uh, our real estate fund. And, <laughs> you know, uh, and then we come together for those conversations and, um, you know, she's not, she doesn't agree with some of those things. H- how do you and your husband, or do you guys come to a, um, a conversation on some of these things where maybe you don't agree exactly how much goes into where and, and how do you resolve those? So, um, I'm, I, although I love budgeting, I also love to spend money. So sometimes I might increase the clothing fund <laughs> a little too much um, or, you know, or, or sometimes I get on these savings kicks where I'm like, I get my, I suffer from anxiety and my anxiety will go high if I don't hit a certain number. And so when that happens and I might be trying to put too much into savings because I want to hit a number that I've set in my head, he is really good at, at saying, look, it's okay if, you know, we don't put this much to savings or, hey, look, you know, the kids really don't need this many new clothes. Let's lower it here. Um, so he's really good about calling me out on it. And I really try to be good about listening. And so sometimes it's just coming coming to a common um almost like, okay, I'll lower this and we'll raise this and meet you in the middle kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um yeah, that does happen at times. So it sounds like communication is key for you guys. Absolutely. How many kids do you have? Two. Two. How old are they? Six and four, both boys. Six and four. We are also six and four in our house. We have a girl boy, Zoe Calvin. Um, so communication is important, right? Mm-hmm. You've got two small kids that want your attention yeah. all the time. How do you guys set aside time to have these important conversations, especially if there is a difference in opinion or, or even just how you might be spending the money? How do you guys set right. aside that time? Um, so we have, we try to do weekly date nights and sometimes the weekly date nights start off with talking about a budget. I know it's super romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to it. right now? <laughs> I know. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> um, other people probably don't. And my husband probably doesn't think it's super romantic, but we try to have our weekly date nights and we talk about it then. Um, but honestly, we talk about it in front of the kids a lot. We'll say, mommy and daddy are talking about the budget. You need to give us five minutes. We talk about it in the car. We have those open conversations. They're never um, either of us, you know, in a heated argument. So our kids hear us talking about the budget. They hear us talking about money. And I think because of that, I've confused my six-year-old because I'm pretty sure he thinks we're poor. He offered (laughs) once to pay the electricity bill (laughs) because I, I had budgeted a certain amount and it was more than I had budgeted for. And I made a comment and he was like, well, I can give you the money for that. And I'm like, do you like, we have money. Do you not think we have enough money? So they do hear us talking about it. I think it's important, but it's either in front of them in the kitchen while we're cooking dinner or sometimes while we're eating dinner or after they go to bed. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. So, Allison, let's say there's someone listening to us banter back and forth about how cool budgeting is, and uh, they've tried it a few times, and it helped for a little bit, but then they just kind of quit after a couple months. Do you have any advice on sticking with the budgeting process? Yes, I think that sticking with the budgeting process is probably the hardest thing. I mean, I you know the saying, like, the first, the hardest step is starting. Have you ever heard? You know, there's, like, those motivational quotes. I think that's crap. I think that <laughs> I do because when you start, you have all this internal motivation and you have this, you know, this drive. And that's not when it's hard. It's hard whenever the drive fades away and it gets difficult and you decide, you know what, this whole thing isn't worth it anymore. Um I think that that happens to a lot of people. And what I just want to say is just keep going, even if you hate it, even if you're not sure if it's working, continue to write your budget, track your income and expenses and face the truth. Because the truth is, is that if you get off budget and you go to, I'm going to totally use me as an example. If you go to Target and you walk into that, you know, Magnolia home collection or whatever, the 
the people, the people from Fixer Upper are, and you want to buy all the stuff and you come home and you've spent $200 at Target, don't hide it, face it, own what you've done. Even if you don't take it back, own it and don't give up until the next month. I think so many people say, I'll start over next month. And it's like that. I mean, with everything, with dieting, um, you know, there's all of these unhealthy habits that we might have. Don't do it. Own your mistakes. Start fresh at that moment. Write a new budget and face your financial truth. And sometimes that looks like printing off your uh, bank statements and figuring out where your categories are, where you are um overspending, find your triggers, find your habits, set yourself up with success by creating boundaries for yourself. So for instance, if you do struggle with overspending at Hobby Lobby or um, in other areas of your life or at restaurants, then you need to create an allowance for yourself. So that way, when you're out of money, you're out of money and it creates a boundary for you to sit within. I love it. I love it. Are there any daily practices for, you know, you sound just like a super goal oriented person. And I'm just thinking maybe there's somebody listening being like, I don't know. I just not, I can't be as motivated about the budgeting thing. Or are there things, tactics maybe that people could do to kind of make it habit? You know, I'm thinking like, um, almost like automated investing, you know, like I'm not really that good at saving for retirement, but you know what? I just automatically put it in my 401k and it just happens. And look at that. Whoa, it got $20,000 in there already. Like, what can I do? What kind of practices, maybe you and I could spitball this, but like what kind of practices could people do to make this automatic or just a little easier? I would say like, for me, it comes with, with knowing where is my money going? and tracking it. We use Quicken. I mean, like I'm super old school. I use Microsoft money way back in the day before it went out of business and everything. Um, but for me, it takes, it's about sitting down and literally typing in or writing down where I am spending money and where I am making money. So that way I can see my patterns. Um, I would say taking that daily or every other day. And I mean, it doesn't take long. The moment it takes long is whenever you've put it off for too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's when it's overwhelming and it's awful and you have to face it and you're sitting here and you're dreading it. So you keep putting it off and something that if you had taken five minutes every single day to invest in tracking your income and expenses, if you put it off for three weeks, well, now you have a two or three hour commitment and you just don't want to do it. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the motivations because obviously this is, this sounds like, okay, I went through a lot to pay this off and man, we were happy when it was gone and yes, it's a lot of work to do it, but what, what is debt freedom? What did fr- debt freedom mean to you and your husband when you achieved that? What, what, what financially could you then do? What did that mean for you? Obviously you could pay for that daycare, which is important for yeah. your kids. And then you had another one, it sounds like. So you were able yeah. to pay for that, right? What, what did that mean for you and your family when you became debt free? So for us, you know, when we first decided to go on this debt free journey, it was n- I, I could not see past the debt. I could not see what is it that I want to do after I'm debt free. I had to get through it because it was like a mountain. Now, my husband, he's he's a vision. You know, he has visions. He can see past that. And he could see what we wanted, what he wanted to do after we became debt free. But I couldn't. So by I always thought I'm going to become debt free and then that's it. I'm just going to spend money as I please and I don't need a budget anymore. And that's just going to be my life. And so when we reached our debt freedom, I just went on like, and both of us really, we went on this big spending spree for about three months. And 
We didn't save any, any money. We didn't put a lot of money into savings. There was no purpose. I felt like there was no purpose. And I woke up one day and I was like, no, this isn't right. Like we didn't go through all of this to not have something to look forward to afterwards. And so at that moment, that's whenever we set up um, you know, Roth IRA. And we knew that my husband's car is going to die eventually. So we set up, um, you know, we opened a high yield savings account and we opened up our kids' college accounts. And for us, it's about being able to cash flow, you know, a new car when we need it. It's about being able to help our kids through college. I mean, with, for us personally, with so much of our debt coming from student loans, I would love for my children to not have to take that on when they graduate from college. And I want them to participate and I want them to work and I want them to contribute to the cost of their college. But if I could, if I could watch them walk across that stage and just know that they don't have that burden. I mean, to me, that's the world. That's everything. Um, and that, I mean, that's my driving force is, is my children. And then being able to retire and not have to worry not have those fears and not have to feel like I have to work until I'm 70 to retire and then also have to take on a part-time job when I'm 70. <laughs> I love it. No. That, those are perfect motivations. And I'm so glad to hear you say that, especially the, you know, the, the part about your, your kids, because what you're doing or what you've done already and what you're continuing to do is setting up a legacy for your kids mm -hmm. so that they have a great life and they yeah. don't have to worry about some of the things that you had to worry about. And that's, that's incredible. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, so Allison, while you're going through this journey, was there a book that was influential to you that helped you to figure things out? Um, anything that uh, you'd want to share today? Um, so, you know, when we started, we were reading the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey and, um, you know, it was, we listened to his podcast and then we would just listen to other podcasts and read, um, other books like The Millionaire Next Door, things like that. And from there, we would listen to podcasts when we needed motivation after, you know, years, whenever I would feel like, oh, this isn't worth it anymore. Like, you know, because we got to those points. And I think that people should know, like, we weren't gung ho for four and a half years straight. There were months that I was like, nope, not doing it anymore. <laughs> you know, this is not worth it. Let's just go to Florida and take our kids to Disney or let, I just want to go to the beach. Like this is not worth it anymore. And in those moments, I would actually turn to podcasts. Um, I would literally just type in like money, you know, and I, I, cause I needed that motivation. Um, and so what started us on the journey was definitely Dave Ramsey's, uh, total money makeover. We did not follow his principles to a T, um, but we found over time what works for us because I fully believe that everyone's journey is unique. My journey is not going to match yours and yours isn't going to match mine and that's okay. But we found what works for our family. Excellent. Well, were there any podcasts that you were listening to where you said, Hey, this was extremely motivational. I'd love to get them a shout out today and put it in the show notes. Uh, not, I mean, not that I can think of offhand. I would just listen to anything and everything that came up. Anything you type in money and find, find yeah, the good just, stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And I would just <laughs> listen to episodes of random things here and there. And it was, you know, I, I didn't do it all the time. It was just whenever I could feel myself yeah. wanting to quit. What, what was helpful when you'd listen to it? Were there people's stories that, uh, that motivated you? 
people's stories are just knowing that like, this is, you know, this is worth it. This is where I would also listen to like goals, like Mm -hmm. podcasts about goals and, and reaching goals and setting goals. And just knowing that like, I'm doing this for a bigger reason than the thing that I want right now. What I wanted a lot of times was, you know, my husband and I were both teachers. And so we had our entire summers off, which is amazing and wonderful and fabulous. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, but we also, I would jump on Facebook and I would see all these people going on these grand vacations. And in those moments, I'm like, I'm just sitting around on the sofa, you know, like watching another episode of Sesame Street and And I just want to go, you know, to the lake and I want to go to Colorado and I want to do all these things because travel is big to me. And there were times when I had to pull myself out of that and remind myself that no, although that sounds like fun, my goal and reaching my goal outweighs that desire. And I had to remind myself that because there were times I couldn't remember that. I love it. That's great. That's a great piece of advice. So <laughs> there's somebody listening right now and we're, we're, we're going to, um, uh, end the show shortly, but there's somebody listening right now that has like a hundred thousand dollars of debt or $200,000 of debt, like a big amount of money. And they're feeling overwhelmed. They're thinking like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't want to, this just think this seems hopeless. What is the best piece of advice we can leave with them today? I would say have a clear purpose and a drive behind it. Because if your reason for getting out of debt is just, I want to get out of debt, you're going to fall off the bandwagon. You have to have, you have to dig down deep and figure out what is my real reason? Is it family? Is it travel? Is it kids? Is it being able to retire at a young age? Because once you figure that out, post it somewhere, put it on your bathroom mirror. I like to post things in my closet because people, you know, people come to my house and they don't see it, but I see it every day because I walk in my closet every day. Because in those moments, later on down the line, a year down the line, a year and a half down the line, when you're ready to give up, if you know your purpose and your reason and your why, then you can stay the course and you can stay on track. And that is bigger to me than figuring out the numbers in the budget. And that is bigger to me than, you know, knowing the exact steps on how to do it. Cause you can learn that you can figure that all out. It's just math, but having your internal reason and being able to say it in a sentence and say it out loud will help you stick through it until the end. I love that. I am totally posting my goals in my closet because, <laughs> because you know why? Cause uh, my, my wife really likes the house just like kind of nice and mm-hmm. like, you know, I, 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 but the closet, like you said, it's like, nobody goes in there. Yes. It's my, it's my closet. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to post the goals right there. <laughs> I think I that's know, a great like, idea. <laughs> it's so weird, but like in our closet we have, and I'll show you after the show, but in our closet we have a bulletin board and it has our debt free thermometer on it. It has, um, different things, different motivational things. I once had a vision board in my closet because it's my personal space. You know, you know, when you give a a tour of your home and people come over, they're not walking into your closet usually, or, you know, even the back of the closet door, because you can see that. And it's somewhere you go daily where you can remind yourself of what you're working towards. I love that. All right, Allison, where can people follow you and connect with you more? 
Awesome. Um, I, you can find me at www.inspiredbudget.com or I hang out a lot on Instagram at Inspired Budget. I'd love for you to follow me there. I love to share my life. I love to share budgeting tips and just give you general motivation to either get started, keep going or stay the course. Guys, check her out on Instagram. She is killing it. Videos, uh, you know, inspiring tips. Go check it out. I will put all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Allison. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to share Allison's story with everybody today. I had the pleasure of meeting Allison in person last year, and guys, her electricity for debt freedom is just as exciting in person. So, uh, so glad to have her on today. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Allison Baggerly. Number one, analyze your money situation with a budget. Allison and I are big fans of the budget. You know why? Because it works. If you're in debt and you want out, you need to understand what's happening with your money. And a budget will help you do that. Start simple with a spreadsheet or a a piece of paper and a bunch of mechanical pencils like Allison. (laughs) And uh, but, but for me, I've had a lot of success with Mint. And um, that's something that Nicole and I have been using for a very long time. Tiller is also a great automated system for spreadsheeters out there. So there's lots of options, lots of options. Just whatever you do, just start. Write down your income and your expenses and your eyes will become wide open to your true financial situation. Number two, control your spending. Now that you know what you're dealing with after you built that budget, it's time to take control of your spending. What problem areas are you seeing now that you've laid it out? Are you spending more than you're making? Oh, that's no good. (laughs) If so, look at ways to scale things back. Check out the big ticket items first, like housing, transportation, food. Where can you save to create more space between what you got coming in And what you got going out. (laughs) Number three, increase your income with a side hustle. I loved how Allison and her husband partnered together to both earn extra money outside of their jobs at school. They did tutoring, driving the bus, photography, teaching summer school. They went to work and got the money they needed to crush their debt. And you can too. (laughs) Think about what ways you can make some extra money. What are you good at? Ask yourself that question. And then ask yourself the question, what do you like doing? And then find the middle ground between those two answers. And you may just have yourself a very successful side hustle. And then once you've done that, you take all that extra cash you make and you crush your debt. So those were my top three takeaways. Number one, analyze your money situation with a budget. Number two, control your spending. And then number three, increase your income with a side hustle. You can do this, my friends. If you're taking the time to listen to some dude ramble on in his basement about money, then I think you're ready. (laughs) You can definitely do this. Say goodbye to your debt forever and say hello to your freedom. It's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Stephanie from Virginia recently shared a super cool net worth win of hers on Twitter. 
and I wanted to share it with you guys. She is now a member of the 100K Club. That is right. She achieved a $100,000 net worth just this last month, and she has been so kind to share all the details on her blog about how she did this, and the number one way that I found that she achieved this is by investing in her retirement. Yes, she has over $100,000 in her retirement bucket alone, and for a young 30-something, that is some huge savings. So if you want to learn more about Stephanie, check her out on her website, poorerthanyou.com. That's poorerthanyou.com. She might have to change that now because she's in that 100K club. (laughs) Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing this news with us on Twitter, and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? You got to email me, my friends, at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to hear from you and celebrate your victories. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 121. That's session 121. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, keep the conversation going with us at Thriving Families. That's our Facebook community. So if you want to go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group, or just simply type in Thriving Families in the Facebook search bar, you can come there and you got to answer three simple questions and then you can join and hang out and hang out with us and learn how to make your family thrive. And then the second thing you could do is subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player of choice. So we can hang out every week. And then the last thing, number three, share this episode with a friend who also wants to crush their debt like Allison did. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend checking out session 116 so you can understand the mission and philosophy of this podcast. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Barack Obama. A budget is more than just a series of numbers on a page. It is an embodiment of our values. Craft your budget and pursue your dreams, my friends. Carpe diem. 